so far this year, we've looked at two sermon series. I Met Jesus, that we did in January and February, and then Remembrance and Celebration, that we did over the last couple of months in April and May. Next month, and the month after, as you probably know already, we'll be looking at the fruit of the Spirit. And we'll be thinking, why is that so necessary in this year and next year and the year after to display and to be improving at displaying the fruit of the Spirit? So that's from next week, and we'll be looking at that then. But today, just like uh, the last two weeks when Andy was speaking, we're just doing a miscellaneous kind of talk. When I was younger, I would often wonder what life was like or would be like in 10 years' time or 25 years' time or 50 years' time. The teacher would be talking at the front of the class and my mind would just start to go outside the window. Was anyone else like that when they were at school? Comrades in arms. And we'd just be looking outside. I was subtle about it because I didn't want the teacher to know what I was doing. But I was half listening to the teacher going on about different things because I knew I had to do the homework, so that was always okay. But I was just looking out the window and thinking... I wonder who the Prime Minister will be in 20 years' time, because that's the sort of thing I used to think about, and, and still do. How can we make people go to bed without being hungry? So this is like a 12-year-old or 13-year-old just sort of thinking these things. And I wonder who I'm going to marry. Didn't you all think about these sort of things in your early teens? You'll just maybe look out the window and just think, I don't know why looking at the blackboard didn't really interest me that much. But looking out the window was really interesting. I wonder if I might be able to do the homework really easy tonight. I wonder if I might understand, if I start listening to the teacher, what what they are talking about. Do you know what I mean? So I was always wondering. I was always daydreaming. I wonder if sometimes... You have these words, these sorts of phrases in your mind. I hope that. Oh, eventually we need to. Oh, it would be so good if. Do you ever daydream now? It's one thing daydreaming when you're younger. But I wonder if you ever daydream now. You wonder about things and you just think, if only. I wonder what if. Wouldn't it be good if? I wonder if those words come into your mind sometimes. Does it give you an agitation for change? Does it make you think, oh, if only, so I'm going to stand up and get on and do something about it? Or is it, oh, if only, I wonder if someone will do that for me. I wonder if the Prime Minister or the government will do this. you got any dreams? Sometimes there's a real tension between what we would desire, what we dream about, and what's really happening at the moment. Like we said earlier, maybe we desire everyone to have a home, everyone to have clean water, 
no one to face domestic abuse, everyone to be well-fed. And yet there's a tension. Isn't there? It's our dream for the world to be like that. But then it makes you want to pray and do something about it and talk to people and take action, hopefully. Have you got any dreams for the future? Have you got any hopes and plans for the future that you've talked to God a lot about? If you haven't, I want to encourage you this morning. It's not just for people like me who are daydreamers that are going to benefit, hopefully, from this morning, but people that are a bit different, who don't daydream, but are kind of a bit different. I've forgotten what the word is that might describe them. What's the word that might be described a person that's not a daydreamer? Okay, we're going to call them not a daydreamer, but you know the sort of thing we mean. People that sort of don't think, oh, I wonder. But they're just sort of doers and, and get on with things, as it were. So today, I want us to think about three words especially. Dream God's dreams. This is what we're going to think about this morning. I don't think God dreams about himself. When I was younger, and I'd be looking out the school window, I'd be thinking, what if? I wonder if I'm going to be rich when I'm older. I wonder if I'm going to uh, do this. I wonder if I'm going to do that. It was all about being better, improving, changing things, because I didn't want to stay as I am. God isn't like that. God knows everything. So how could he know any more? God is everywhere. So how does that work? God, I think, doesn't dream about himself, but he dreams about us, and he dreams about the world. So as we think about dreaming God's dreams, it's not about dreaming about who God is, although it is a little bit, about how he might improve. No way, Jose, because we have been to Mexico, so I'm allowed to say that. But the idea is that we can say, the Lord, he is above all. I want to catch what he's dreaming about and what he wants to do and what his plans are for me and for the world. I remember singing a song a lot in the early 80s. Jeremiah 32, verse 17, from the Christian Standard Bible says, O Lord God, you yourself made the heavens and earth by your great power and with your outstretched arm. Nothing is too difficult for thee. Nothing is too difficult for thee. They were great songs because it reminded me that nothing is too difficult for God. Straight from the Bible, God can do anything. How about these verses? This is from Isaiah chapter 40, verses 11 and 12 from the New Living Translation. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will carry the lambs in his arms, holding them close to his heart. He will gently lead the mother sheep with their young. Who else has held the oceans in his hand? Who has measured off the heavens with his fingers? Who else knows the weight of the earth, who has weighed the mountains and hills on a scale? So there we get the sort of two facets of God, in a way. We've got that big, almighty, he made the earth. He can do all things. And yet we've got the tenderness of God, how he leads us, he loves us, he guides us, because that's what he's like. 
He's big. He's fantastic. And yet he's got time to look after us, to love us, to look into our eyes and say, you're special. I'm so glad you love me because I love you. God sees things differently to how we see them. And so God has dreams for us. And maybe that's encapsulated in a couple of verses that Peter wrote. And these are the verses. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. And these are God's dream for us and for the world. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a dedicated nation, God's own purchased special people, that you may set forth the wonderful deeds and display the virtues and perfections of him who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. Once you were not a people at all, but now you are God's people. Once you were unpitied, but now you are pitied and have received mercy. I remember a few years ago when the National Lottery had a slogan. Maybe you remember it as well. It could be you. Do you remember that? That was the National Lottery a few years ago, trying to get us to put money into the National Lottery. So they'd sort of come up with this little saying, it could be you. I've got some really good news. Jill, you are part of the chosen race. It's not, it could be you. This is definite. Eleanor, you are part of the royal priesthood. Phyllis, you're part of the dedicated nation. And everyone else here as well. It's not if, maybe, perhaps. It's definite. We, all of us, are part of this chosen race. We're part of the royal priesthood. We're part of that dedicated nation. Let's quickly look at three Greek words. We're a chosen race. Echelectos, and it literally means chosen out of a personal preference. We're chosen out of a group of people, and God has chosen us. Basilius, the next word, royal priesthood. It reminds me, that word, of courtiers in the queen's presence or the king's presence. Courtiers. Now, when you've seen films, how do courtiers walk around? Have you got the poise of a courtier? Have you got the feeling of a courtier? We are God's courtiers. We are his ambassadors. We're moving around in God's circles. How does that make you feel? We're part of God's kingdom. We can stand tall, can't we? We don't have to slouch and say, oh, Lord, oh, please. God has called us into his kingdom. We're part of his court. Hagios, the last word, dedicated nation, it says in that particular version. Holy, set apart, distinct, distinguished or different. And I like the next bit that I read uh, as a translation. We're different from the world because we're like the Lord. 
So we're a dedicated nation. We're different from the people we mix with, maybe, when we're at work or with other people, because we're different because we're with God and we're becoming like him because he wants us to grow to be like him. This is how God sees us as a chosen people, royal priesthood, a holy nation. And it's his dream for us. It's what he wants us to believe these things. And to, as we walk around and pray and serve others, then we know we can do those things because we are the chosen people. God's called us. It's easier to serve people when we know who we are serving and that we're called out and given the power and the love to serve others rather than trying to do it in our own strength. So we're chosen, we're royal, we're distinct from others. And so God's dreams for us need to get practical. So how does that happen? Obviously, things we've heard about many times before. We need to get practical. We don't want to be inward-looking if we're called by God. We want to be outward-looking if we're called by God. We want to be praying for others. Sometimes I come in here and I look at the map and I look at the flags and that just causes me to pray for maybe a country that's not on the news, but I just think, oh, Lord, I'm going to find out who's leading the country and what's happening there. Maybe God does the same for you in other ways. You see the newspapers or online and things and you just think, well, what can I pray about? As we're a chosen people, we're going to be called to worship. And it's not just for a Sunday, of course. It's every day of the week that we can worship God in song, but in our hearts we can say, Lord, I'm giving you my heart. I'm giving you my worship. Please be honoured by the way I live my life to you. But we don't want to just stick with the way that we do things. We want to move onward, move forward with things that God has called us to. Perhaps God might give you a specific dream, either for yourself or for your family or for a nation or something like that, a, a bigger dream like that. For instance, I believe that God has told me, I'm hanging it loosely, but I kind of believe it, that we could see around 50 people coming here regularly. So what do I do? I put 50 chairs out. Because why would I imagine 50 people could start coming and only put 30 chairs out? Because that's kind of the numbers that come at the moment. That's as well why nearly always when we start the service, I say my name at the beginning of the service. I think it's really important to do that only because I'm expecting people to come through the door that don't know my name. And I think that's really rude that I just sort of carry on doing things at the front and I don't even tell them what my name is. And they're just standing there or sitting there wondering who I am and what's going on. I've been in churches like that, maybe you have as well, where you go in and you don't know anyone's name and you go out and you still don't know anyone's name and you don't go again. Or you do go again, but you still don't know anyone's name the week after because people haven't really said very much to you. So that's why nearly always I try and say my name because I'm changing the way that I do things in the services because I'm expecting people to come through the door. I'm not just sort of making it a holy, holy huddle for us that believe already. I'm thinking, yeah, when people come, 
I want them to be welcome. I want them to know that what's going on is they're welcome and they can join us. It's not happening. Well, it is happening. People are coming in and, and new people are coming in. That's wonderful. But it's not loads and loads and loads of people coming in every week. But I think it's brilliant that the threes and the fours and the ones and the twos that are coming in, everyone is welcome because we serve God together. We worship God together. If God has given you a specific dream like that, why don't you weigh it up and think about it and pray about it, maybe with other people, and then move forward with it and just say, Lord, thank you for the dream you've given me. Will you help me not just to keep it in a small box and look at it now and again, but you help me to look at it and say, Lord, how can I see that dream come to reality? What will you do to help me to make that happen? And what can you do yourself to do all things? Because sometimes we have specific dreams and they end. They terminate. It's not the things you want to have happened that happen. And that's a very real problem, isn't it? A very real thing in all our lives, at different parts of our lives. We have dreams and, and plans for the future. And it just comes to an end, all of a sudden. I know in 2008, that was a really difficult year for me. Because that was when my wife at the time says, I don't love you anymore. And my dream ended. Because we all know what happened later, and that was brilliant. But at the time, that dream really died. And it was very difficult. And for some of us now, life can be difficult. But it's God who can sustain us, even in our difficulties. It's God who loves us. Who God, who tends his sheep, who looks after us and doesn't put us to one side and say, you've got a problem, you deal with it. God says, I love you. I'm still with you. Believe in me, because I love you. Would you like to see some of the interesting photos that Jill and I took over the last few weeks? Okay, great. Here's the first one then. This is Jill and I celebrating Jill's significant birthday in 2022. We had a great time. There's a purpose for all this as well. If you just think, oh, photo torture, it's not going to be. It's going to be okay. All right. Next one. So here we are having a great time. That was on a boat trip. This is Los Angeles. We had a great time in Los Angeles. Here is a science museum in Los Angeles. Now, the thing I've really enjoyed about this place, it had the space shuttle Endeavour inside it. And that was the reason I went. I've seen so many takeoffs from the Kennedy Space Centre. So in this building was the Endeavour, and there it was. And when I went in and saw it, you asked Jill, I didn't say anything for a few minutes because I was just in awe of this spacecraft that just could be reused. Oh, it was brilliant. Oh, you ready for the next one? This is the place where Jill and I hired a car from. And as you can see, we, the car enabled us to go and see lots of beautiful scenery. It was brilliant. And this is the place, the actual place where we got it from. 
okay. I'll move on then. <laughs> I was expecting to, whoa, or wow, or something. Okay. This is Pearl Harbor Visitor Center. It was so good to go there as well, because many of you know that America got involved in the Second World War because of what happened on the 7th of December. And we traveled over to the Arizona Memorial, and we could see the battleship Missouri. So this is the Pearl Harbor Visitor Center. We saw lots of turtles, well, a few turtles. And this is one of the notices that was about the turtles. I took some photos of the turtles as well. But this was one of the notices about it. Really important. Oh, now this was an excellent place. This is the national and state flag of this national park that we went to that had a volcano. Now, it was an active volcano, but it's not like sort of thing. We had to wait till the evening to see the lava, and then we could see it. So it was sort of moving about. But this lava, wasn't the lava brilliant? Yeah, I'm being enthusiastic about it. And these are the flags, by the way, that we saw on the morning. Uh, but it was, the lava was going up, and you could see it moving, all sort of golden and everything. It was fantastic. Now, this is interesting, because this is the sign for the Wyron base at Kona. So when you hear people talking about Kona, just think back to this photo, and you'll be able to say, I've seen someone who's been to Kona. That's me and Jill, because we've been there now. And so people who have been changed and sort of done courses there and really enjoyed their time there. What, we spent 15 or 20 minutes there, talked to someone who'd been to Harpenton, another Wyron base, and it was brilliant. This is the sign outside. We had a great time, didn't we, talking to the people there. It was brilliant. Okay, how about another one? Now, this is one of the extra special ones. I hope you've been enjoying these photos. <laughs> this is brilliant. Because, like we say, we went to Mexico for one of the times. And this is Chichen Itza. This took a lot of skill to do this photo because the minibus was driving along at the time. And so to get it in focus and to get the sign for Chichen Itza was amazing. But as, as you see, it's like this place in Mexico, a UNESCO World Heritage Site. It was fantastic there. But look at the sign. Isn't that great? There's a big pyramid, and we took some photos of that as well. But, but that, look at that sign. And it took me, well, a split second to do it. But there it is. I was expecting some, some wows, but I can see that you're just, you're just thinking, they're not the holiday photos I imagined. That wasn't torture at all. That was bewildering. But they're the photos I took. I took all of those. And we, we had a great time, didn't we? In all those places, we saw all kinds of different things. And these were the signs that we took of as well. In fact, I took 2,269 photos in 19 days because I like taking photos. But the thing is, I bet all of the photos that I took didn't give you the feel-good factor that Jill and I have experienced from being away. Is that right? None of you thought, oh, I hope they looked like they had a jolly good time. Those, those photos of signs 
have really done it for me today. I'll remember that for a long time. <laughs> Would it have been better to have shown you places of the photos of the places that we actually visited. Now, those were places of the photos the actual visited, but that would have been better, wouldn't it? And why, now, why do you think I'm doing all this? What's this all about? The things I've mentioned so far about praying, worshipping, serving, they're the signs of our life. They're not the big thing in our life. I've talked about, yeah, let's pray. Let's use the map. Let's use the flags. Let's pray. Let's worship together every day or on our own. Every day, whether we're on our own or with other people. Do we concentrate on the signs in our lives to think that everything is going well? Or do we not? Because the signs are just the accompaniments, the bits that are there but not the most important. So if prayer isn't important, although I didn't really say that, even though it's there, in a relative way, that's what I'm saying. If prayer relatively isn't important and, and worship and service, what is God's biggest dream for all of us? Life is all about Jesus. The other things are just signs. I've showed you pictures, photos of signs. I could have shown you photos of turtles and of Chetsunitsa and volcanoes because they were the real thing that we went to see. I just showed you things that were just there and not important, really. Prayer is important. Worship is important. Serving others is important. But it's Jesus that's the most important in our lives. Loving Jesus, wanting to be with Jesus, worshipping Jesus, honouring, serving, enjoying, growing to be like Jesus, and perhaps the hardest of them all, relying on Jesus. That's the foundation of God's dreams for all of us. That's what we need to spend time thinking about. That's who we need to spend time with. Praying, reading the Bible, and uh, doing all these other things are really important. You know they are. But they're only a means to an end, really. It's Jesus that we worship. It's Jesus that we want to know more about. I wonder... When the uh, Acts of the Apostles was happening, Christians weren't really called Christians until a little bit later, but near the beginning of the Acts of the Apostles, people were called Nazarenes. So if you were following Jesus, you might have been called a Nazarene. And there's uh, Acts 24, verse 5. Paul thought of himself, and other people thought of himself as a Nazarene. But then there's these three examples in the New Testament of the term Christian. But you know, if our life is meant to be all about Jesus, I want to come out today and say, I don't want to be a Christian. Again, that's a strong thing to say. What I want to be 
is a Christ, Ian. Do you know, Christmas, we don't pronounce a T. Christian, we don't really pronounce a T in a, a big way. But if we think of ourselves as Christ, Ian's, then that's better. Because it's Jesus, I think, who is offensive to people and who is troubling to people. Other religions have a holy book that they're meant to read. Other religions worship. Other religions say, yes, serve the people around you. Christianity says, you need a saviour. No other religion does that. And it's Jesus that if you talk to people about Jesus, they'll start either saying yes, 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 or oh, I don't want to, to know that. But if you talk about just what you've done at church or what you've done about other things as a Christian, then often people will just say, oh, yeah, that's, that's all right. But I know when I talk to people about Jesus, it's him who gets people agitated and changed it's Jesus who changes us but it's more than that even the term Christ Ian can be much stronger than you think because if this is going to work oh there it is the suffix at the end Ian is an adjectival ending borrowed from Latin to donate, adhering to, or even belonging to, as in slave ownership, the things referred to belong to the person to whose name the suffix is added. So what I'm saying, and what I've found out is, if we say we're Christians, that's all pretty good. But in my head, I call myself a Christ, Ian, because that means I am belonging to Jesus. It's not my life any more that I'm leading. My life is all about following Jesus, honouring him and doing what he wants because it's not me who is in charge. It's Jesus who is in charge. If I'm a Christ, Ian, that means I belong to Jesus and I want to follow what he says. And that's the heart of God's dream that will follow God and do what he says, not just here and there, every so often, but our life will change because we'll want to say, yes, Lord, what's your plan for me today? How can I do the dreams and fulfill the dreams you have for me today? So we want to dream God's dreams. Two more passages of scripture which show God's dreams again. And the first one is 1 Timothy 2, verses 1 to 6. I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them, intercede on their behalf, and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority, so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives, marked by godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases God our Saviour, who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. For there is one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. 
This is the message God gave to the world at just the right time. Paul is writing to Timothy, there is one God, one mediator. We don't live in a world that accepts that, do we? But there is one God, one mediator, and that's Jesus. That word, sozo, there, it says saves. I put an arrow up to it. I save, heal, preserve, rescue, properly deliver out of danger and into safety. Jesus has delivered us from everlasting darkness. Jesus has rescued us to everlasting life. We have been rescued, sozo, from one place into another. We have been reconciled to the Father. We have been rescued. Here's another one. This time, it's a really well-known one. John 3, 16 and 17, this time from The Voice. For God expressed his love for the world in this way. He gave his only son so that whoever believes in him will not face everlasting destruction, but will have everlasting life. Here's the point. God didn't send his son into the world to judge it. Instead, he is here to rescue a world headed toward certain destruction. There's that sozo word again. Rescuing from one place into another. Jesus has done that. And God's dream for the world is that all of us can be rescued. All of us, through Jesus' death on the cross, can be changed. Not just for the future, but our lives can make a difference to others today. The first song we sang this morning was, Here is Love, Vast as the Ocean. And as Jill and I were travelling, just going back to that just for a small moment, we realised how big the earth is, how long it takes to get from England over the Atlantic, over the America, and then how many miles it is until you get to Hawaii. Here's Hawaii here. It's almost at the edge of the map. It's that far away, isn't it? So we are over here. And there it is, Hawaii, over there. And it takes, if you do one stop, 18 hours on a a plane to go from London to Hawaii. 7,200 miles. It's massive. And so when I was in the plane, I was thinking of that hymn, Here is Love, Vast Does the Ocean. And I was thinking, all I can see is the top of the sum of the ocean. How many miles deep is parts of the Pacific and the Atlantic? And yet, that's nothing to God. Isaiah 40, how it's saying that he holds the earth in his hands and it's just in a bucket and all of those sort of things. We serve a God who is amazing. He wants to give us dreams, not just general dreams that the Lord would do things in an Eton, but specific dreams that people would become followers of Jesus, that they would call themselves in their head Christ-ians, if you like, Christians, little Christs, sort of following him and saying, I belong to Jesus now. Wouldn't it be good if we could see some of the dreams we all hold, or maybe some of the dreams we've just let go of, thinking, that can't happen anymore. Wouldn't it be good 
to see some of those dreams come into reality. People getting saved, getting baptised, getting discipled regularly. I meet with other ministers regularly in the Neaton, and they say, oh, we're having another baptism service this week. That's our third this year. And my ears prick up and say, Lord, are you irritating me? Are you provoking me to pray and say, Lord, what's happening here? I pray that God will irritate me, not to make me an irritation to you, but will irritate me to get on with praying and serving and worshipping more, that my love for Jesus will be shown in practical ways and my dreams that Jesus gives me will be seen and your dreams too. Let's see God making his dreams for us become a reality. So let's pray and then we're going to say, Lord, will you help us? Because sometimes we've been hurt by the dreams we've had or what people have said about our dreams. So let's pray and say, Lord, will you help us to dream and dream some more? We are grateful, Lord, for this world. I know, though, Lord, sometimes we see the world differently to other people. Lord, you see all the nations in the world. Thank you, Lord, that you, you didn't, were not on a rotor today and you come to us uh, in two weeks' time because you're at other church services today. Lord, thank you that you're here and yet you're in all around the world as people worship you and come together to praise you and to serve you and to pray. Lord, you are far above all we can ask or imagine. Lord, will you instill some dreams into us that we could move forward with, perhaps taking small steps at first, but knowing that you're doing something in our lives. Thank you for the dreams we've had in the past. We give them to you again. And we say, will you stir us and help us, Lord, to be ready to listen again to what you have to say to us. Because, Lord, we want to honour you and we want to serve the people around us. Amen.